Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crotty. It's good to be with you, Father. I'm glad I'm still in Sioux City that we can keep recording live together. It is it, it, much better than videos. Yeah, I don't know that we can quite help our listeners appreciate the the difference in doing this live with each other in person versus trying to do this on the internet when I'm in St. Louis. It just it's got a whole different vibe. I was I was going to use the same word. I was going to say, as the kids would say, there is a vibe. Yeah, I don't know if our listeners pick up on the difference. I'm sure the humor is a little different. Um, I hope there, I don't know. If there's, I don't. I think we're you know working with an internet connection that's good enough that there's not like tremendous delays and everything right. in the sound quality. But here we are. It's good to be back together again. It is good to be back. Somebody's made the comment before that there's a li- there's an obvious sound quality difference, but they've said even your sound quality difference is better than other times where other podcasts will have like a phone phone in yeah we don't do that so we're we're doing okay mm-hmm. we're doing okay here father let's dive in shall we're we just jumping in we're gonna just we've had, jump we've had four in. episodes of kind of obscure banter <laughs> let's and we just, just don't have in. much for you right now so let's here just we go. jump in um for another obscure topic from father Shane. <laughs> yeah so i want to talk about amos chapter eight from the old testament sure, nice and obscure sure. one of my favorites just right on the tip of your tongue isn't it father <laughs> right there right there um, I have been chewing on this throughout the summer months. Um, just kind of let it percolate a little bit. What does it mean for me? What does it mean for culturally, mm. you know, speaking about the, the nature of the church right now and, and, and the work of evangelization culturally? Uh, what does it work for? What does it mean for our seminarians? Um, you know, being a seminary per, um, formator and helping these men embark on a life of priestly service you know, I, I take that very seriously to heart to say, how are we prepping them for the environment in which they're stepping into? And they, do they mm. really have the the skills to interpret what's going on around them? Mm. The uh, 2016 Ratio Fundamentalis that came out from the Vatican says that priests should be men of discernment. Mm. And our rector in St. Louis, Father Hazing, you know, really hits home on this often, that if they're not men of discernment, if they can't discern the presence of God active in them, mm active in, in the life of the parish, in the life of the parishioners, well, the, wh- where are they leading? Where is the shepherd taking the flock? It's just instinct and reaction all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just good to kind of keep honing the skills to say, where are we going? Not that we, you know, all have the gift of prophecy, and, and so much of it that we can't control, we just humbly abandon to the hands of God and mm-hmm. say we're in the hands of our providential father. Um. But I still keep going back to this passage from Amos chapter eight, verse eleven. Now, did you were you just kind of thumbing through the you know minor prophets there? Or no, I've come heard up in the liturgy or something. I've heard you know professors and others in formation talk about this passage, and it kind of sparks some new thoughts within yeah, me. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of give the context, I, this is not, folks. This episode before you click us off is not just going to be a Bible study about the Old Testament. All right, I just want to reference a particular line. We'll get some spicy hot takes about the cultural realities of the church afterwards. Right. So, right. So stay with us. Just just hold on there, okay? <laughs> um, quick little introduction to Amos. All right. So we're in the eighth century BC. All right. Um, 
the kingdom of David has been split, oh, about 150 to 200 years at this point. The kingdom of Israel in the north, the kingdom of Judah in the south, with the capital of Jerusalem. Um, based on the decision of previous kings, and that gets to be a complicated story following uh, King Solomon, um, the kingdom of north set up its own kind of temple worship in Dan and Bethel. And um, at the time of Amos, the northern country of Israel was more prosperous. And it appears that uh, the southern kingdom of Judah needed to give tribute um, in terms of maybe grain donations or taxes or something because of the alliance with the neighboring kingdom to the north. But also there was um, movements you know, towards worship, especially in Bethel. And Amos, being a prophet, was denouncing a number of things. He was denouncing false worship, but he was denouncing the, the fact that the Davidic dynasty of the reign of David was not united within the kingdom. Um, but he was also denouncing anyone who's turned away from the Lord and giving false worship. Um, and he did that through a number of prophecies. I mean, he prophesied uh, like this, this great big wave of locusts which would come across the land. He prophesied this reign of fire. He prophesied an earthquake which historically looks like it happened a couple of years later. And then he also prophesied that you know the, the kingdom of Israel would fall. Um, I don't think he ever mentioned the Assyrian kingdom, but the Assyrians later came in and invaded, right? And then and we later on get into the, the bigger exile of Israel. Anyways, all of that is to say that Amos the prophet is denouncing with a lot of um, natural you know, cataclysmic events, natural phenomena, natural catastrophes, that the wrath of God would come upon those who have turned away from him. And that's a common theme, especially among the minor prophets, right? Um, Now, right, this is not going to be a Bible study. I just want to focus on this one line. In chapter 8, verse 11, Amos says this, The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, Not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of of the Lord, but they will not find it. I think it's a haunting, haunting passage from Scripture. Those two verses from chapter 8 of of Amos. Um, Amos himself said that there are going to be famines coming upon the land. And he was talking about some natural catastrophes that were coming. But he also used that to say, but there's also a deeper famine going on here, a famine of the word of, Lord, of the word of the Lord, in which so many people are wandering aimlessly, looking for uh, where God might be speaking. Plenty of people wandering aimlessly who don't care if God is speaking. But those wandering aimlessly who are thinking, well, I can find the word of God here and the word of God there, and Amos was saying, no, 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 we need to go back to the roots of what God has already revealed and what he has already called us to in the Judaic law. Um, all of that is to set the stage for today, right? I, you know, I don't know that we use this phrase, a famine of the word of God, um, but I think it's really helpful to kind of chew on that in our own cultural context. Certainly there's plenty of people within the church who experience a famine of the word of God and that we don't immerse ourselves enough in the word of God, myself included. I wish I was more biblically literate and I need to keep immersing myself in the sacred inspired word of God more often. Um, But I think there's also a, a theme going on here is to say, are we wandering aimlessly looking for where God is going to lead us? 
Are we groping in the dark, looking for a sign here, a, a little dazzle there? Where, where is God leading the church? Where are we growing in faith? Where, how are we supposed to keep developing as a Christian people? And do we need to go back to our roots and understand what God has already revealed and called us to? And have we forgotten our roots? And therefore, there's a real hunger that's arising within us, a hunger for justice, a hunger for deeper fulfillment and satisfaction. And because so many parts of the Western world have walked away from God, have we brought disaster upon ourselves? The violence, the crime, the division, the suspicion, and perhaps even greater catastrophes to come, is that all going to unfold of the results because we have wandered from the word of God? Now, that's a heavy, heavy topic. <laughs> and I've just thrown a lot out there, Father. I expect nothing less from well, you, Father Shane. But, you know, I think it's just where so many people are at. <clears throat> I think there's a hunger. And, and I do want to come back and eventually end on a message of hope. Good. Me too, always. We're, we're going to come back to this. Well, I just want to say that already we've... we've um, uh, we've triggered the, I, I'm sure, uh, response of our, our brother priest and the presbyter, Father Tim Friedrichson, our, our uh, residential scripture scholar. Yeah. Every time we've talked about scripture, he's always just like, I don't know if you got that right. So, so well, Father we Tim, welcome the dialogue. Let us know. Let us know we welcome the dialogue. Town. No, this is what I was going to say, Father Shane. That type of language from the Old Testament, from a minor prophet, this kind of impending, it, usually, like you said, natural doom that's going to come on the people as a result of the lack of faithfulness to God, right? Mm-hmm. That sounds a lot like Jesus's kind of intense response. A few, just a few days ago, when we we're recording this in the liturgy, where Jesus says, "A wicked and evil generation seeks a sign, mm-hmm. but a sign will not be given to it except for." And he says, "Jonah," right? Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the people of Nineveh. He's talking about the Queen of the South because he's, he just keeps saying, "Like, there's something greater than Jonah here. There's something greater than Solomon here." Like, look. All of this Old Testament, all of these times of people seeking and coming to know God, people seeking a sign, people seeking a prophecy, somebody seeking the word of God coming from these kind of mouthpieces, these prophets, the people who are, yeah, who are instruments of his word. Jesus is saying, like, you're seeking all these signs. Mm-hmm. And people in his time are seeking the same signs. And he said, there's something greater. He doesn't say it, but he's like, I'm the sign, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it's interesting that... In sacramental theology, like the word sacramentum, the word symbolon, the word mysterion, they all have the same connotation of a sign, something that's that's hidden, but something that's revealed, right? So Christ himself becomes the sign. Christ himself becomes the mystery. Christ himself becomes the sacramentum of God's presence, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I think it was just interesting. I, I connected those right away because hearing that with contemporary ears, this famine of the word of the Lord can sound like big mean God is holding something back from us, mm-hmm. right? So I remember when I was, it was it was in the context of Ignatian spirituality, whether it was a retreat or just spiritual direction. One of the rules of discernment, which I should know better, but I just don't know which one it is, right, is talking about like in moments of consolation, receiving kind of God's grace and being like feeling like God's really close, sort of like recognizing that moments of desolation will, will come, mm-hmm. right? And what are you supposed to do with that, right? Mm-hmm. And St. Ignatius kind of like encourages retreatants, right, to like savor the grace of the moment of consolation, knowing that there will be a time where that consolation might not be there. So I was talking to my spiritual director, and I was kind of sharing these different like moments of grace and consolation and feeling very close to God and, and prayer and in my life and all this stuff. And I said, but as you know, the rule says there, you know, they're probably gone. So I better just, you know, kind of sit on that and savor that up. The other shoe's going to drop. Just, yeah. And he just, he <laughs> shut me down right yeah. away. And he just goes, 
oh, he goes, yeah, I used to think that's what it meant too. He's like, but that's not the case. He goes, because that looks like God's like this, this like dad who's like, just like sort of like waving like a Snickers bar in front of his kid, like, but doesn't know when he's just going to hide it. Right. right. So I think even hearing that, it sounds like God's like this, this meanie who's just trying to like, it's like, what the heck are you holding back your word? Why are you holding back your presence? Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a, a deeper understanding of what we've been talking about in recent episodes of, of our freedom that God's allowing us to exercise. Right. And, and actually allowing the consequence of unfaithfulness, the mm -hmm. consequence of sin, right? We don't like to talk about these things today, but like to actually spell out, right? Just like the prophets would prophesy these consequences of kind of not living in a relationship with God, these natural events happen, and then what do you experience? You experience this sort of like continuation of your isolation from God now like in this, in this larger way, mm -hmm. right? But is it God who's kind of punishing? Is it God who's... I'm pulling myself back, right? Or is it God who's kind of allowing the consequences of our own lack of faithfulness to unfold? Um, Jesus is kind of harshness when he's talking about, look, you've had a sign. I'm right in front of you. I'm right here. I'm performing miracles. I'm calling you to repentance. I'm doing this right now. Like, where's the faithful response? Mm -hmm. People are like, no, give us something cool. Give us a sign, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, it's just interesting to see, is God actually this big, mean, bad judge, that word that we don't like today? Mm -hmm. um, or is he a loving father? He's just loving us in a way that we're not kind of comfortable with. Yeah, I think there's several things. I think you raised really good questions, and I think you can interpret the, the behavior of God on multiple levels. Of course, he's infinite, so he's always acting on multiple levels, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he does say to St. Catherine in the dialogues, um, in his private revelation, God the Father will say, I do pull back at times. Mm. He's not actually abandoning us, but maybe the the direct experience of having his consolation doesn't kind of come washing over us every day. Yeah, But he says, I'm still there. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm actually there more deeply uh, when you're exercising faith in me and when your hope is still alive uh, and the relationship is still being nurtured because of your faith. Now, that being said, like... You can go to the Psalms, you can go to Jeremiah, but also like um, Revelation 21 and 22. Sitting by the waters of the springs of eternal life with a river that comes flowing out of the eastern side of the temple, right? Um, we are meant, when the consolations are there, to drink deeply of the presence of God. And, and the, the person with deep roots, um, whose, whose roots are always rooted in God, doesn't fear the famines that come in this world, mm -hmm. right? The, the, the reservoirs, the wellspring runs so deep in someone who's connected with the Lord mm -hmm. that uh, the stormy days, the winds, the waves, the heat of the famine that comes doesn't phase this person mm -hmm. because the roots have gone so deep in communion with Jesus, right? So to say, well, the Lord permits famines to come, well, he permits situations to come upon us where our faith is tested by which we then show our love and he allows our roots to go deeper mm -hmm. so that we're not just shallow-rooted people who fall over easily in the midst of the winds. Um, but, the, but the point is that, you know, we don't get wrapped up in the famine. Yeah, The famine is not the issue. The issue is I am so rooted in the Lord that come what may whether it's a beautiful day or a famine day, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the, the, the catastrophes that come upon the world, or even if it seems that there is a famine in the church and that there is a lack of faith, there is a lack of knowledge of God among baptized Christians, 
are your roots deep enough to say, I'm still in communion with the Lord, and the reservoir runs deep? Yeah, because that word of the Lord, right, as St. John said, became flesh, and he's dwelling among us right now, right? So it's like even if there is this seeming famine, it's different after the incarnation. It's different after Jesus ascended to heaven. It's Mm -hmm. different after the Holy Spirit came. It's different after there's a sacramental life in the church where it's like even in the midst of this famine, right, there's a little red candle burning by a golden box in your church, right, like with the physical presence of Christ that's revealed in every time we have mass, right, or just like the concrete reality of our baptism, the concrete reality of going to confession and being forgiven, right? Mm-hmm. These like these touchstone moments of, <clears throat> even if there is this feeling of famine, cultural famine of a lack of faith, a lack of the word of God, it's like Christ is present, right? He's present in his church. And then like, okay, where does the discernment come of, is this a moment of my roots going deeper? Or is this a moment of like, I've actually just, abandoned drinking from the wellspring right mm-hmm. that's that's what that's the ignatius asking the question it's like i'm in desolation why are you in mortal sin have you turned away from god or is this a moment of you know a deepening of mm-hmm. of faith mm-hmm. but christ is with us i think that's the biggest thing that he doesn't he doesn't leave us alone right that was his promise before he ascended right mm-hmm. yeah so i think anyone who's experiencing that we're living in a time of crisis we're living in a time of there's a famine of the word of god there's a famine of faith there's a famine in which people just don't seem to know the Lord or are actively seeking him out. Well, the message of hope in all of this is that, okay, the Lord doesn't permit anything that he's not going to raise up goodness through. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So if it is a season of famine, if that's what your experience is like, and if you're discerning, discerning that carefully and not just in panic mode just because, you know, uh, network television is telling you crisis in the world, you know, but if yeah, if you're <laughs> explosions, and, you know, if you're actually discerning, you no, know, there's some things going on here. Okay. Well, wh- what is that an invitation to? Because are, are, are your roots still going deep with the Lord mm. and are you still remaining with the Lord? And I think the, the, the message of hope is not only that Jesus, as you point out, has never abandoned us and will not abandon us, I think the other message of hope is that if you are someone who feels that we're in a time of famine, if you are someone who feels like uh, so many around you are searching aimlessly and groping in the dark for satisfaction, meaning, and fulfillment, well, I say blessed are you. Mm. If you can see that, mm. if, you're, if you're craving, if you're tasting more, well, then I, I you know, posit that the grace is clearly stirring in your heart that you're desiring more not only for yourself, for the church, but all the believers or non-believers around you. Mm. That itself is a sign that there's not a famine in your heart. <laughs> that itself is a sign that you are craving more and that you're going more deeply into the wellspring of salvation and that you want that for others and that the invitation to become an apostle for love for others is right there. Sensing the famine is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. What is that calling you to? Mm-hmm. And sensing the famine is is the proof of God's presence in a wild way, in a wild kind of paradoxical way. Where's that hunger coming from? Mm-hmm. Like, where's the the desire for something more coming from? It's like we have an infinite destiny, and His name you know, is Christ Jesus Himself. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like so we're made with this desire for something more that's stirred up in us. So when we see the lack. That's not a moment of despair. That doesn't have to be a moment of despair. Mm-hmm. That can be recognizing like the lack actually reveals a capacity to receive something more. 
who made me with that capacity? Like, mm-hmm. why am I finding myself with this like existential under, you know, experience in the world mm-hmm. that starts to be, there can be an awe there that says, I didn't, I didn't do, I didn't give myself this desire. I didn't give myself this longing. I didn't give myself this destiny. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it means that God's made me for something more. And maybe just like the pang of that lack that I'm experiencing in the church and the world, right. That even more a place to turn with fidelity to God mm-hmm. who's, who's made me with that desire, you know, mm-hmm. who maybe wants to use me, wants to use you, wants to use our listeners, mm-hmm. like Amos, right? As a prophet, not to freak everybody out, but to invite back to faith, right? right. That's the, that's the, yeah, that's always the goal. Yeah, okay. so we've got, we've got a lot of different ideas out here on the table. And <laughs> there's different ways to interpret all of this from the Old Testament and what it really applies to now. There's the literal sense of what Amos was saying in his own day and age, and it continues to have spiritual ramifications for us to this day. Um, and, and we'll continue to, to unpack different valiant meanings, right? Um, but just in general, as we conclude, you know, is there a famine in the church? Are you sensing that? Is there, is there a real crisis of faith among the minds and hearts of so many baptized Christians out there. Well, it might depend on your context. It might depend on your personal experience, your, your, your relationships. But what is that you know, drawing out of you in terms of desire? And how is the Holy Spirit speaking to you in the midst of the desire? Because if the desire keeps growing, then I dare say there's no famine there. And, and there's increase of faith. So, Let's keep praying for one another and for an outpouring of the grace of faith throughout the whole church in the midst of any perceived famine. Brother Travis, good to be with you. Yeah, likewise. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.